DJ, PK, and Josh Newman, Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, joining us. Josh, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are you? Good. We didn't spend the day at Disneyland, and we're good. You must be great. Oh, happiest place on earth. (laughs) Happiest place on earth. There was real news at Disneyland. How much did that surprise you? Say that one more time. I'm sorry. There was real news at Disneyland. It wasn't just cliches and happy talk. Uh, the news breaking that Ohio State was going to be missing four guys. That was uh, that was not every day you get news at Disneyland. No, no, that was it. Was, it was interesting. All right, as I'm sure you guys know, the Ohio State press corps is very, very large, like exponentially bigger than what Utah will have here. You saw one opt-out break. You know, as we're waiting for this parade to start. And the Ohio State beat guys go scattering, looking for space with their laptops, and everybody started working. And then Ryan Day kind of dropped that news that the rest of those guys were opting out. So for the Ohio State guys, that it turned into you know quite the afternoon. Utah have a reaction to it? No, no, it's business as usual. I mean, you know, Kyle's pretty even keeled. He'll prepare, you know, as he. As he sees fit, no matter who's on the field. Now, you know, in, in fairness, that was breaking as we were talking to Kyle, so we didn't get the full reaction. But look, we'll talk to Andy Ludwig this morning. We'll talk to Morgan Scally tomorrow. We'll get Kyle one more time on Friday. Not really expecting anything, you know, earth shattering to be said by anybody um, in terms of the personnel that they have to prepare for now. There have been. Uh... There have been Ute fans who have been bugged big time by the whole Alabama didn't want to be their thing with the Sugar Bowl back in the 08 season, 09 Sugar Bowl. Uh, do you expect much of that with Ohio State, or do you think the talent they're losing is going to be offset because the guys who want to play, hey, they haven't had a chance to play, they've been stuck behind these guys, and they're going to bring some extra energy that maybe Ohio State wouldn't have had? How do you see all that playing out? I wouldn't say that it would offset. I mean, look. Garrett Wilson is a projected first-round draft pick this spring. Uh, Chris Olave is the same, right, a projected first-round draft pick. You lose those two, you lose your best offensive lineman, your best defensive lineman. I don't think that the guys that are going to slide in to those spots are going to offset it, but we know how Ohio State recruits. The guys that are sliding in are going to be, you know, four-star, five-star guys, um, don't have the game experience that those guys had, but they're very, very talented. You know, in terms of the mindset – uh, how engaged, you know, Ohio State doesn't want to be here. Maybe some people feel that, amazingly, in this day and age of college athletics, that the Rose Bowl is sort of a consolation prize if you're Ohio State. Do I expect some of that? Yeah, yeah, I expect some of that. Um, at the same time, though, to your point, the guys that are here, the guys that want to be here, that will play, I would expect them to be engaged. And obviously, Ohio State, you know, Ohio State, I should say, um, will be no easy task, no matter who's on the field for them Saturday. Yeah, for sure. We saw that the Beef Bowl has gone the way of the COVID uh, uh, precautions, I guess. Anything else? No, here, I mean, you know, we're pretty much we're pretty much in person, right? Ohio State is going through their morning media availability right now with a coordinator and four players. We will get Andy Ludwig and four or five players in about 45 minutes. Um, look, they canceled the big in-person media day on Thursday, which was going to include, you know, a couple of dozen players from each side. They canceled the in-person event at a steakhouse in Beverly Hills because, you know, Omicron and COVID and masks and being indoors. So, you know, 
beggars can't be choosers, right? This is the only New Year's Six bowl game that is doing in-person media availability. If we have to sacrifice some of that availability to keep the bulk of it, so be it. I, I really have no complaints so far. People really just want the game to come off and not go the way of four games that have been canceled and two games have had their matchups altered. And you had some quotes. I think it was Britton Covey who said, if there's going to if there's gonna be a problem, it's not going to be with us. Uh, they seem pretty aware and focused from everything you've seen. I know you only get to see a little bit of it. You think they're taking all the precautions because people really want this game to happen. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think they've been very cautious, very safe. You know, not just now, but this week, honestly, for the balance of the last 18 months, I think the medical professionals, you know, chiefly Trevor Jameson, who is the head athletic trainer at Utah, I think they've done a good job um, of educating the student-athletes. Uh, you know, their testing protocol back last year was top-notch. Um, look, Utah's in a situation where, you know, 95 98% of the roster was, you know, fully double vaccinated. So if you had both shots, you were not subject to testing like you were last year. So, you know, guys have taken care of business. And especially now looking at this week, I think everybody, at least on the Utah side, everybody, you know, knows what's at stake here. They want to play in a Rose Bowl. They don't want any problems. They don't want any distractions. They don't want guys having to sit out because they weren't smart. So from a Utah perspective, everything I've seen, which as you said is limited, and everything I've heard is that guys are really doing their best to try and take care of business. No opt-outs for the Utes that we know of. Several guys have already made their intentions known to declare for the NFL draft. There's uh, other possibilities. What are you hearing as far as maybe more guys that the Rose Bowl is it and they will enter the NFL draft? You know, I think I think we were all at least mildly surprised uh, that Brand Keithy, you know, decided to opt in, come back next year. Uh, Dalton Kincaid doing the same the following day. That was a, a little less of a surprise. Um, in terms of guys that maybe uh, would, you know, would go to the NFL draft, only big one out there right now um, is Tavion Thomas. You know, he said a few weeks ago that he's going to make his decision or at least make his announcement uh, after the bowl game. He is actually scheduled to be part of this availability here coming up um, at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. So, you know, we'll ask him again, but I think that's the, I think that's the big one that's kind of that's kind of still lingering out there. And look, even if he did declare for the NFL draft, even if he walks in here and says that he's going to um, that he's going to the NFL next year, I would still expect him to play in the Rose Bowl. All the other non-seniors, you know, Devin Lloyd, Faisal, Mika Tafua, uh, Nick Ford, etc., they're all leaving, but they all finish what they started by um, um, by playing on Saturday. The only two teams that have uh, beaten Ohio State have run the ball and just piled up massive numbers. Do you expect the Utes to be able to do that? Uh, be able to do that? Well, that is a different matter uh, versus the intention. Uh, I think the intention is, yeah, Utah's going to try to run the ball. Um, Oregon ran it all over. As you alluded to, um, Michigan most recently ran for uh, you know 270 on Ohio State back in November. And look, this is, you know, this is what Utah's identity is, especially over the last, you know, seven, eight games, right? They ran, they ran all over Stanford for, you know, 440 yards, you know, 290 against UCLA, 250 plus against Arizona State, et cetera. And all of that is coming as the offensive line has been, you know, banged up here and there. You know, Knicks, minor stuff, you know, guys having to kick outside, other guys having to move in. It, it really hasn't mattered, right? I think Jim Harding, the offensive line coach has done a 
a tremendous job of, um, of pushing the right buttons and coaching these kids up. And again, this is what Utah does, right? You have Cam rising back there, and he is shown capable of, you know, of going down the field and making plays. But your identity at this point um, has been running the ball. So, yes, I expect Utah to at least try to establish the run against this Ohio State front. Utah's defense, I don't think, has really faced a top-notch quarterback all year. In a lot of games, there were guys that were the second team playing. And, you know, Anthony Brown, I never thought was any good, and I think he showed it in both times that they played the Utes. But you look at Stroud, and I think I make a strong case that he is the best quarterback that they will have faced this season. And I know that there's a couple of high-powered potential first-round draft picks at the receiver not playing but what do you think is going to happen as far as passing? Because Shroud is really good, and I don't really see Ohio State changing its game plan that much. No, no. I, I, I do agree with what you said, PK. I, I do think there really isn't much doubt that, that C.J. Stroud on paper will be the best quarterback Utah has faced. They really didn't, you know, they, they didn't get the best from Keaton Slovis. Um, Anthony Brown, as you said, was, you know, very unimpressive in, in two games, I didn't think Jaden Daniels from Arizona State blew away. Um, they missed Dorian Thompson-Robinson when UCLA came in. So you look at Stroud. I mean, look, Heisman finalist. He finished number four in the voting. Um, I think Sharif Shah you know, gave some good insight late last week when we asked him about Stroud. Just, he, you know, Stroud does not blow you away, but he's got a very capable arm. Short stuff, intermediate stuff, deep stuff. He can do a, he can do a lot of things. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, you know this um, this Utah secondary is banged up, right? You have Clark Phillips on the outside and Malone Mata on the nickel, but that other outside spot is you know we're going into this week here in Southern California. That's one of the real storylines here, right? Because you know, look, JT Brockton's been out since the BYU game back in September. Fabian Marks is injured. Samaya Vaughn is injured. There has been you know you know rumor mongering about a position change trying to fill that outside cornerback spot Sharif Shah tried to throw some cold water on that so we'll see you know if I'm excuse me if I'm Ohio State I'm at least trying to test that Utah secondary which as I said is is quite thin right now how much confidence do you have in the Utes on special teams? Because the thought that they could be running the ball and the defense could be holding its own and then something horrible could happen on a punt or kickoff return, that's, that's a nightmare scenario. How much confidence do you have in those groups? Um, I mean, in fairness, I would say very little, just based on what's gone on here. Um, the, uh, the Utah special teams has yielded, correct me if I'm wrong, they've yielded three 100-yard kickoff returns for touchdowns. They've had two punts blocked, both returned for touchdowns, and a third punt at Oregon State got blocked, but that was waved off because of penalty. So, oh, and that's not even, you know, getting into the situation with the kickers. You know, with Jaden Redding, you know, he lost his job. He won it back, so there's been a lot of question marks. Um, special teams has been an adventure for Utah, and Kyle Whittingham hasn't really been shy about how it's been a disappointment and you know he takes a large hand in special teams hasn't been up to snuff so yeah if there is a if there is a you know a, a, you know a key punt situation or a field goal like how much confidence do i have not much and i think that's rooted in in fact and 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 fairness quite frankly
What do you make of all this Whittingham retirement talk? I do not think that the Rose Bowl will be his last game. Uh, I also do not think that this Rose Bowl will be his last game. Um, I've talked to Mark Harlan on the record. Um, he said what he said. Um, you know, Kyle has balked at any notion that he's going to retire. Um, hearing, talking, I don't think this is Kyle Whittingham's last game. But I understand why that might be not an assumption per se, but I understand where that conjecture has come from. Okay, look, he's he is 62 years old. Um, you know, we don't know fully what the toll of the last year has been between the pandemic, two player deaths. You know, he's a grandfather of six. He has said, you know, a bunch of times that he is not, you know, a lifer, right? He's not going to be coaching into his 70s, into his late 70s. He's, he's not going to do that. So from that standpoint, I understand where that conjecture is coming from, why people are talking about it. I've been talking about it, admittedly, probably too much. Um, but no, I would agree with you. I don't think this is Kyle Whittingham's last game. This is also a guy who said he wouldn't be coaching when he was 60. This is also a guy who, you know, with the Utah and BYU job, he went back and forth that night. So I don't think it's his last game, but I don't want to crawl too far out on a limb. Everybody gets to change their mind, and he has changed his mind. So uh, I, no, don't, I don't feel like it's wise for anyone in the media to put too many stakes in the ground out there. I'm with both of you guys. I, I would think he's coming back. I think he's got a good team coming back. He looks to me, just looking, and, and PK knows because we talk about this when we see him on the Zoom press conferences last year, he looks to me like he has way more energy. There was a time last year I thought he was exhausted and he was really beaten down by a mul- multiple series of demands coming at him. And he looks more energized, so I would think he's back. But I also don't want to crawl will, too far out on that limb. No, and I will, I will add to that. I think... Again, we have limited availability. We don't see Kyle Whittingham face-to-face often. Personally, I thought he looked very worn, very tired after Aaron Lowe's death, which is understandable, right? You're dealing yeah. with a player death, you know, a second player death in nine months. He looked like he'd had enough. But, you know, they, got, you know, they worked through that. They're still working through that. They've gotten beyond it. You know, you're, you know you, you're going through the season. The team is good. The team is winning. Yes, he looked healthier. He looked more engaged. He looked happier. You know, his dry sense of humor uh, came out more in October and November once the team was winning. You know, they had started to work through their grief. So, yeah, I don't think anybody should be talking about it too much. But I I do think, um, and again, I've, I've written about it. Like, I do think it's something worth discussing. But there's there's no smoke. There's no indication from anybody that he's not coming back. So at this point, four days before the Rose Bowl, that's what I'm going with, that I think he's coming back. You're an East Coast guy. I don't know if you've been there, but if you have, can you compare Disneyland to Disney World? (laughs) Oh, my God. I haven't been to Disney World in – I'm 39 years old. I have not been to Disney World in probably 25 years. Uh, so you're asking the wrong guy. Um, I thought Disneyland, look, for the limited amount of time I was there, I didn't go around the entire park. I thought Disneyland, you know, was clean and well-maintained and people were very helpful. Um, that was, again, this is my first Rose Bowl, right? So let's go to everything. Let's hit all the media stuff. I don't know that in future Rose Bowls I need to be going to the Disneyland thing on Monday. It was more of a photo op, kind of just the pomp and circumstance that comes along with the Rose Bowl. But, again, first time, let's go to everything. 
cool experience. Got to talk to Kyle, again, who's limited, talk to some players, let's write some stuff. But I don't know that we need to be doing that end of this Rose Bowl week in the future. Yeah, but the thought of Ohio State riders like perched on a fire hydrant by a parade, <laughs> hammering out some story about four opt-outs, <laughs> that cracks me up. Uh, it, it was quite a spectacle. I mean, if you're in the media, as we all are, we know that news breaks on a dime, and you have to act. And I promise you, there was a group of like probably half a dozen Ohio State beat writers looking at their phones, and they literally like dispersed to different ends of the little area that we were in. They all whipped out their laptop. And good, good piece of beat writer journalism right there. I, I really appreciated that. Well, Josh, we appreciate a few minutes. We know you got to get off to today's media availability. We will let you go. Thanks for hopping on the air with us, and enjoy the rest of the week in the game. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Josh Newman, Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. There's just something about breaking news at Disneyland that's hilarious. Seems to me that I used to take my, I went for like 16, 17 years in a row mm-hmm. when we would go down to uh, San Diego or uh, when the Utes would play basketball, somebody, Long Beach or whatever. And I, I literally went like 17 years in a row. And it seems, I can't remember, but it seems to me something did break. And my family went in the park and I was in the car in the parking lot for a couple hours. Ah, that would, that would not be good. I just picture yeah. these guys like, watching the video <laughs> yesterday, you know, the news breaks and the parade's going past Main Street. They're like, <laughs> some B-Rider's got to clamber up on that, on that fire engine <laughs> and hammer out a story. Hilarious. <laughs> you're, on, you're on the boat going around the ride. I got to take another lap around. I'm not done writing yet. <laughs> now, that would be a fun story. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I cranked out the story while I was riding. It's a small world. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Rod Rex from LendRight Mortgage. They've got a $1,000 lowest rate guarantee. A guarantee, Rod. You're pretty confident. Yeah, our rates are often a quarter or more lower than other lenders. And because we're an independent mortgage broker who shops the country's premier mortgage lenders, we can absolutely find you the lowest combination of rate and fees for your exact scenario. And no other lender offers a $1,000 lowest rate guarantee simply because they all know they don't have the lowest rates and fees. So we tell everyone, hey, compare our rates and fees to to your bank, your credit union, or any other mortgage lender out there. And we guarantee our rates and fees will be lower than any of them, or we'll send you a $1,000 check. So with rates still in the ones on an eight to 15 year term, and then also we're still in the twos on a 16 to 30 year term, but these rates are certainly gonna be gone very soon. So time is of the essence, so act now, let us help you lock in that low refinance or purchase rate, and we'll do it with a $1,000 guarantee. So the rate's going up. Not everyone can do math in their head uh, with some of these numbers, and certainly not while they're driving. But depending on what kind of loan you're looking at, 50, 100, 200 grand on the line? Yeah, yeah. The 15-year term, uh, if you're looking for those shorter terms, 18 to 15 years, uh, we can still get you a rate in the ones. Uh, and then, yeah, on that 16 to 30 year terms, uh, those rates are still in the twos. So 
yeah, if you're looking on a $400,000 mortgage, if you compare a rate uh, just around even 3%, and you compare that to the interest you'll pay on a 4% rate, which rates are very likely to go to this year, if not higher, that's a difference of $80,000 in interest paid. So if you're looking to get cash out, refinance, or purchase, uh, you're going to save a lot of money by acting now while our rates are still so great. If people want to know more, how do they get a hold of you, especially to get questions about their individual situation? Yeah, we've got a great team that will take care of you. Uh, you can call us at 801-APPROVE or visit us at LendRightMortgage.com. 801 Approve. Call now at 801 Approve or online at lendrightmortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. It's official. The youths are the 2021 Pac 12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the youths to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the youths' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the youths in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Well, PK, the Jazz do it. Shorthanded, no Donovan Mitchell. They go to San Antonio and win their seventh straight road game. Were you even a little surprised? I think I can say I was a little surprised, but not much. A couple of things factor in that I, I think that in any situation in the short term, you can overcome a loss of a player. And the Jazz are so good offensively that they're set up to overcome the loss of Mitchell. He's a prolific offensive player for sure, but they have so many weapons. A guy like Joe Ingles can score 17 points and nobody bats an eyelash, you know, and that's, I don't know what he's averaging, but that's obviously over his average. So he can easily make up some of those not maybe all of them individually but they've got enough guys to do it and Clarkson man he makes my eyeballs go tired watching him play because he's guys his constant movement fakes pumps underhand hook shots I mean you name it it seems like he's got the entire package offensively and so if he's hitting a few and he came in and scored what uh two two-pointers and a three-pointer, and it seemed like it was in 30 seconds. He's like seven <laughs> points, boom. Just If you blinked, you may have missed it. So you've got that going on, and then I really believe in the norm. And we saw, and we talked about it the night before, the Spurs shot out of their mind, which, yeah, look and see who they're playing, the Jazz, and, and root for that team in the prior game to go crazy. <laughs> because you're not going to have that many times where you shoot 56% from the field and you're back up with another night. away from 30 from 50% from the 3. I mean, I think they were what? 14 to 29 something like that, maybe 13 of 27 whatever one shot away, 48%. It's just not going to happen that much. So you factor all those things in and they got a, a, a nice win. I mean, any win on the road is certainly nice. And without Mitchell, it was a nice win. But this is what this team is capable of doing. So I guess if you take big picture look at it, nah, not that surprised. 
I thought that they were dialed in. There was attention from detail right from the from the start, only giving up 43 points in the first half. And if you make the Spurs take some tough shots, they're probably not going to make them because they had been hot the night before. But don't have a gazillion turnovers and let them have a bunch of laps and a bunch of free throws because then they will score in bunches. And they limited those uh, turnovers into fast break opportunities, and they just seem dialed in. And maybe in that regard, even though you miss the talent, maybe missing a guy gets everyone a little more dialed in because there are times where they're playing well in a game and they have a good stretch, and they have a stretch where it's just kind of like, what are we doing here? <laughs> what? what? And then, oh, they get dialed in again and they look great again. And I just thought that they stayed pretty focused through that game. And there are always runs. And I really, this first best run may have been in garbage time just to get within six there uh, because the game was really more of a double-digit lead for the Jazz most of the second half. And I never thought they were going to lose it right at the end, but the Spurs made it closer. Uh, to your point, Joe Ingles, that was double his average. He's averaging eight points a game. So his seven, 17 point night, but he goes into this starting lineup. He's going to get more shots because obviously Mitchell isn't there to take shots. So everybody's going to have a few more opportunities and they end up with six guys in double figures. Yeah, and they needed it too because as a BYU fan, as you know, I've had nightmares of Jock Lawndale. Oh, really? Oh, Jock. Cold sweats, waking up at 2 in the morning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, faking me out of my jock. Jock doing what jock does. And what jock can do, jock can do. You got to let it go once they go to the pros. He's not a St. Mary's guy anymore. Now he's a spur. Let it go. Yeah, but in my heart, he'll always be a St. Mary's guy. The shorthanded Suns get beat. Memphis gets them right at the end. John Morant is back, and John Morant scores. You want to hit him with that John Morant highlight for people who didn't hear it earlier? That was uh, that got everybody going. But uh, no, Aiton, he is out. Crowder's out, so the shorthanded Suns drop a game. A rare loss for them, only their, only their seventh of the year. Yeah, Monty Williams wasn't there either, too. So, yeah, a long way to go as far as that. Although, we're now under... The, I always look at it once you get under the uh, mark, you know, 60 games, 50 games. And so w- w- most teams have 50 games left. Yeah. So we're like only uh, a couple of weeks away, maybe a little two and a half weeks of being the halfway, se- halfway point of the season already. And we're not to the new year. Go figure. All right, here's the, uh, here's the Grizzlies beating the Suns right at the end of the game. Ja drives into the paint. Ja off the glass and in! Ja Morant hesitates in the air. Gets it to go with .5 left. And the Grizzlies are on top. 114 to 113. Ja Morant with the basket. He's got 33 and none bigger than that one. Grizzlies sitting in fourth place in the West. They are four full games behind the Jazz, but they are also three and a half games in front of the Clippers and the Nuggets. So... Locked in on the fourth spot for the foreseeable future. Probably the fourth best team right now. I mean, we saw it last year that they were a nice emerging team. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they're taking a step forward because they, yeah. the, uh, they were in the play-in series last year. And uh, in a traditional playoff format, they would have missed. But they, because of the play-ins, they, they were able to get their way into yeah. that first-round series with the Jazz. I think they played without Brooks last night, too. So that was a nice win for them. NFL, the Dolphins beat the Saints. Ian Book, the fourth quarterback to start a game for the Saints those, this year. Those were the Aints. They, they weren't <laughs> they the, were Saints. the Aints. <laughs> they were the Aints. That's old school right there. The Aints, you're going back in the day. 
paper bags over the heads of the Superdome. That that yeah. that franchise has been much much better the last twenty years. Yeah, when you have your fourth team quarterback, a rookie who's never played a lick, he's yeah, no shot. Picked off twice, sacked eight times, threw a pick six on his second NFL throw. It was deflected a little bit at the line of scrimmage, and the defensive back grabbed it and was gone. And that was that. And then they were playing from behind, and the uh, the Dolphins just played it safe, punted. All right, we'll we'll get our shot at some point, and they eventually did. Got that second touchdown, and that was that. And that was the end of the game. Jimmy Garoppolo might be done for the year. The Niners might have to turn to their rookie quarterback. Garoppolo, torn ligament, fractured bone in his right throwing hand. His status for the remainder of the season up in the air right now. Head coach Kyle Shanahan said the injury occurred in the second quarter of the loss to Tennessee. He finished the game. He missed an open TD pass, threw a couple of interceptions, didn't look good, and the thumb might be a big part of that. The Niners, so. yeah, the Niners with the chance to get to the playoffs, but uh, we'll have to see how they do down the stretch. They haven't clinched yet. The wild card is there for the taking, but uh, if you've got to go with a rookie quarterback, that could be a problem. And the big news for the Rose Bowl, Ohio State will be without four standout players in the Rose Bowl. Wide receivers Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, along with offensive lineman Nicholas Pettit-Ferrer and defensive lineman Haskell Garrett have opted out. So is that going to, with uh, Haskell Garrett, we had Jay Stevens on, host of the Locked on Buckeyes podcast, who said losing Garrett was a big blow to the D-line and trying to stop the Utah running game. Obviously, the two receivers, 25 touchdowns and a couple thousand yards receiving, that's a big blow there. And they're losing a tackle. Can the Utes get to the quarterback? Well, if one more player opts out, I'm not going to watch the game. That's not true. You're going to watch the game. Betcha. You're going to watch the game. Betcha. (laughs) I'll be there, but I'm going to have my hand in front of my eyes. It'd be hilarious if you just got in your chair and turned around and faced the wall for three hours while everybody else was looking out the press box window at the game. I, I have to draw the line somewhere, and, and frankly, I don't draw enough lines in the sand, and that is my New Year's resolution for 2022, is I'm going to start drawing more lines and more sands. What do you think? Uh, Pentagon? A uh, triangle? A rectangle? What kind of? How are you going to draw these lines? You box yourself in on the sand. The Pentagon, you know I'm not a political guy. Why would you bring up the Pentagon? Uh, the Pentagon is military. <laughs> right, but that, that uh, that's hot button, man. I can remember the protests that I took part in Vietnam. Oh, my gosh. Not old enough to have done that, PK. <laughs> <laughs> like eight-year-old. Toddler PK. Eight-year-old, yeah, there. four-year-old PK, eight-year-old PK. I Two-year-old told you PK life in New diaper. Jersey was way more advanced. <laughs> That's right. Diapers. I didn't wear no freaking diapers. PK half-naked walking down the street. Diapers are for babies. <laughs> uh, the bowl season is uh, really weird. Four games canceled, two games <clears throat> rearranged, new pairings. The Arizona Bowl isn't happening. Central Michigan and Boise State. Boise State has bowed out. They had guys go home for Christmas, come back, do the testing. People are testing positive, so they're not going to play. Central Michigan is going to go to the Sun Bowl and fill in for Miami, who'd already uh, decided not to play in that game. So Washington State... And Central Michigan. And Central Michigan goes from a bowl that had a $350,000 payout to a bowl that has a $4.5 million payout. So that's a win for Central Michigan and, and Max. Yeah, for the time being, but we don't know. I mean, they, the way things are, they may get back up, back on the, on the bus and end up in a Rose Bowl. Stop it. 
Stop it. And musical buses. <laughs> yeah, there's some of that going on. This is four games canceled and then two games with new opponents. So there has been, uh, there's been plenty of change, and we may not be done. We'll have to see how this goes. All right, there's what you missed. That's the stuff we've been talking about during the show. Anything else you want to pass along to people? Those are the, the big headlines, the news of the day. Uh, well, put down a ducky if you want to play the saxophone. What the, huh? <laughs> it's a huh? child TV show. <laughs> I'm out of that demographic now. <laughs> well, you will be once they start pumping out grandkids. Yeah, loop back in. All right, and, kids. This is Bugs Bunny, and this I mean, is a classic. Are you sure you don't even have any grandkids? Because your son was a player. Oh, wow. <laughs> a he's tennis a player? Yak, Yak is just covering his face in his hands. Like, that was inappropriate. He was a tennis player. <laughs> what are you doing? Yes, he did play high school tennis. You're right. See, didn't he beat Fino? What? I thought they were like uh, tennis rivals. Didn't Fino play tennis? Didn't they go to the same high school? They did go to the same high school, but years apart. They're, they're not anywhere close to the same age. Oh. Is Tony, how's he doing, man? Is he going to be playing in these early uh, season uh, tournaments here? Because I always do this every year in January, torture myself, watch the, all the golf. <laughs> We're not, oh, my yeah. gosh, look at that weather. He spent Christmas in Hawaii and posted he's playing a practice round yesterday. So, so if, Oh, did he? He was in Hawaii. If he's yeah, well, that, well, okay. If he's Christmas he can, in Hawaii, he, he's getting ready to go then. Yeah, well, then the, the, there's the two tournaments there because the yeah. one in Kapalua, you have to have one, right? And he did and win. He did win, yes. He won in Jersey. Yep. Tournament so, champions. Yeah, so my guess is he's going to play in those. I would. I'm just wondering so. what what his what his schedule is going to be uh, for these West Coast things. I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know; it has nothing to do with what we were talking about. But I was wondering if anybody knew. If anybody knows what his schedule is, I would like to know it because obviously he's somebody that we follow. We have a close friend who covers this much closer than us that I'm sure could help us out in that regard. Yeah, that would be something. I told you my friend went to the Kapalua one a couple years back, and uh, he was standing there, and he made it sound like this is a tournament that I've really got to go to because it's not that crowded, and it's the first weekend after the new year. And he said he was standing off to the side and uh, watching McElroy, and McElroy gave him a fist bump. And then he was texting me, and he wanted to know where Dustin Johnson was. And I'm sitting at home watching, and I'm texting him where to go in Hawaii as he was trying to figure out what hole Dustin Johnson was on. So modern communication now is really just incredible. And we just had Pace Mannion on from, from Italy. It, and he and sounded, sounded like he was like right he was, down the street. He did. He did. He sounded like he's on the Wasatch Front. Yeah, I know, man. Was I was a, thinking about, wow, what a connection. Yeah. <laughs> you you should do the Maui thing. First off, you're a huge golf fan, and second off, you go to Phoenix, which has got to be the most crowded yeah, is, annual yeah. tour event. I mean, there's just people everywhere, and then you go to Maui, and it looks like a European event because there are guys on tee boxes, and there's nobody there but the caddy, and then whoever else is in their group. And and even on some of the greens, it looks like people are only like two deep on right. That's what my friend said. He yeah. went there. And he thoroughly enjoyed it. When the day comes that I am uh, done, when they decide I'm done, I'm definitely going to go over there and experience that. And he said it was way casual and it was a lot of fun. And obviously the views are spectacular. I've played over there because I've covered the Maui Invitational a few times. And uh, I was in the pro shop one day. I wasn't planning to play, but 
Texas was playing in the Maui thing, and Ben Crenshaw is a big Texas guy, and he walks right past me. I said, oh, Ben Crenshaw. And uh, so then he goes up to the first hole to tee it up, and I went out and watched him for the first. I was probably wondering, what the heck is this guy doing? But I thought, ah, I'm going to watch him. But, uh, yeah, it's this spectacular area, and I look forward to experiencing that at some point in the future. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. A lot of people not happy with the discussion of the Rose Bowl and what's happening there. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The fifth annual Black Friday sale has been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Question of the morning, how sad is it that several Ohio State players are opting out of playing in the Rose Bowl? And UJazz2021 says, it's not going to affect it for me one bit. They want to treat it like a normal Tuesday? Fine. But Utah deserves this, and when we win, I'm bragging about it for years. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I like that. I'm beyond okay. You guys do what you do, but if we win, we're going to be happy. Happy. And they should. How sad is it that you don't even pretend to do your job anymore, David? I'm not even pretending to do my job. I have no idea what that means. Ute uh, fans did not like the question. They object to the question. Well, it's my question, so I deserve the heat. Make sure I get the heat. My whole job is to protect you from heat. How sad is it that several Ohio State players are opting out of playing in the Rose Bowl? And Red Rock Ute says, how sad is it that you still have a Twitter account? <laughs> Ute fans did this not like the question. This has nothing to do with Utah. Listen, in the minds of you fans, it does. How sad is it that you never Why? actually do any journalism and just troll and seek clickbait? Well, that's all I do. I mean, this is me. This is not you. We have to protect you at all costs. Without you, we have nothing. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't get the correlation, honestly. In they all don't, sincerity, they don't I like don't the question. It. They don't want to discuss it. So you attack the person who presents it. And it's true that oh. you wrote the question on Facebook. But then to get more responses, I copy and paste it on. Yeah, I get all that. I, I get. But they don't know that. And they would rather attack the messenger than discuss the issue, which is four Ohio State players who start, including two elite receivers who are going to be catching passes in the NFL, are playing in the Rose Bowl. And but I think I what sucks for you fans is they're. They're worried they're not going to get to fully enjoy the moment if the There's Utes win. There's nothing that sucks. You're going to the Rose Bowl. You haven't won the game yet. So let's worry about that after the game if you win the game. I don't know that you're going to win the game. You're still not favored, even with the defections, to win the game. But I don't think at any way, shape, does this diminish what Utah has already accomplished. And if they win, they win the Rose Bowl. Who will remember so-and-so play, didn't play? If you win the Rose Bowl, the Devils have had one Rose Bowl win in their entire program history, right? And I happened to be there. I had just moved to California. Now, I don't remember. Did Michigan have some – nobody opted out nobody then, opted But out did they have then. some guys who were injured that couldn't play? Isn't it the same type of thing in that way? Ben says it's sad, but it's understandable. Who wants to lose your last college game? Oh, 
Boom, there it is. Way to come strong, Ben. Okay, I like that. Now, I really don't understand the anger on behalf of Ute fans. And, and I guess I can't say, oh, Ute fans are sensitive, because some of them are, but they're probably no more than anybody else. But I, I don't understand their angst over the question. This has nothing to do with you. You've earned the right to be there. This is the best game in which a committee does not decide you're in. It is based on strictly on-field performance. You won the conference, you got the bid. I mean, where are we going to go? You you missed a bunch of quarterbacks who didn't play when you played them. Does that cheapen it? Back, backup quarterbacks and interim coaches. Yeah. Can we go on to that line? All the way down, you don't really deserve it. Hell, you beat Oregon, and their coach was out the door. So come on, if Oregon, had, if Cristobal was going to be there, they wouldn't have played like that the last two games. Because surely the thing didn't happen. The discussions with Miami. If you listen to Herb Street yesterday, he discussed the Miami thing with Cristobal in October, and he flat out asked him, "What's the deal?" And Cristobal said, oh, "We'll get to that later." And Herb Street, and you can go on looking for it yourself because everything is Zoom now and it's available for everyone. You may not be able to ask questions, but at the time he said, and he said yesterday, I noticed that Christopher didn't uh, squash it or deny it. And so the implication, or as somebody wrote to me in Twitter yesterday, he alluded, E L U D E, that. <laughs> he alluded, huh? This yeah. is escape. Catch me if you can. He ran away. Somebody ripped me. And was talking about how I was alluding to the fact, and he spelled some Ute fan spelled eluding, E L U D E. You had to send that to me. He was like, okay, that was good. He meant alluding. Yeah. It starts with the letter A, not the letter E. You got to rip somebody. At least don't just screw up the entire word. Well, he was playing crux. tag at the time, and he just got a little distracted. Eluded. So he eluded to the fact that Cristobal did not deny that. So we can go that. This is a bogus uh, division or a conference title because the Oregon's coach was out the door. What, what if we what if we just go with the theory that if you're playing the game and you're keeping score, then what is up there on uh, on the board and lights matters? And if you win, you win. And all the other stuff is blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I'm shocked that Ute fans would be offended by this question. Now, obviously, it's not all of them, but any of them, because this Plenty has nothing them. to do with yeah. you. Tons of them. You can, you can go into my Twitter mentions, and you can look. Well, and I'm going to go in, and I'm going to respond individually to each one and call them a dumb bleep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, it was, you don't even want the game to be played. I'm like, that we is... We don't want the game to be that played, is or the, just you? That was someone tweeting at me that I didn't want the game to be played. That I hated the Utes and I and us people in the media. So it, there was, I think, a reference to the media at large, but specifically, I didn't want the game played, which is just stupid. I mean, it's it's one of the worst takes possible. It's, you don't want the game to be played. Like we I just went through. You and I just went through, and so did everybody else in sports. A whole summer where there weren't games. That wasn't that good. I'm now this last Sunday, tomorrow. we had enormous ratings. That's because there's a Rose Bowl game. It's the story. People care. People are very excited. The best thing that could happen is that the youths beat Ohio State. Then we'll have huge ratings Saturday night. If, if, if your team loses, you don't turn in to watch the recap. Fans don't in any real numbers. The, the hardcore will. If your team wins, all the bandwagoners and casual fans, especially if it's a big game, then they turn it on. 
the ratings follow big games and they follow wins. Yeah, you can't get enough, man. Exactly. I'm driving down tomorrow, and I expect to be waving to you fans constantly Non-stop. as they yeah. blow by me yeah. speeding because they're lawbreakers, and I'm not. Uh, Brian says it would be nice to beat them at full strength, but at this point, I just hope both teams are able to play. And we have had four games canceled, and the matchups changed in two other games, so hopefully they will be able to play. For sure. And we're getting closer. Today's the 28th. So far, so good. So, so far, so well, good. Well, if you're going to cancel it, do it tomorrow before I get on I-15, please. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, time to bring in Rod Rex. Lend right mortgage. He joins us now. And you can act now to tap the equity using the new 2022 conventional loan limit. How does this work, Rod? You know more about this than, uh, than most of us. Yeah, right now we've got the opportunity to get the largest conventional loans that we've ever had because of that almost $100,000 increase in the conventional loan limits. So you can do a conventional loan now up to $647,200. So that's across the whole state of Utah with that record equity that most homeowners now have in their home. If you're looking to do major purchases, to pull some money out, to invest it, to do a remodel, to do that addition, consolidate debt, whatever you would use that equity for. You need to act now because rates in 2022 are going to move higher and quite possibly significantly higher. So you want to act now, take advantage of those new loan limits, tap into that equity and get that cash while you can at these great low rates. You've got a uh, guarantee, a lowest rate guarantee. How do you know for sure you're going to have the lowest rate? Yeah, the beauty of working with an independent mortgage broker is the fact that we're not your actual lender. We simply broker the loan. We have contracts with the premier lenders across the country, and all those lenders pay us the exact same amount. So we have no incentive other than to shop and find each client their individual lowest combination of rate and fees. So what we do is we just have our loan originators go out, shop each lender, and then we present that best offer to each client. And that's something that a a bank, a credit union, or other mortgage lenders just can't offer. And because of our lower cost structure, We just have lower overhead, and so we're able to pass along that cost structure to our clients. So a $1,000 lowest rate guarantee, compare us to anyone out there, your bank, your credit union, or any other mortgage lender, we guarantee we'll have the lowest rate and fees. How do people get a hold of you if they want more info? Yeah, best thing to do is just give us a call. Uh, you can reach us at 801-APPROVE or visit us online at LendRightMortgage.com. 801-APPROVE is the number to call. 801-APPROVE or LendRightMortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Great to be with you. Good to have you here. Rod Rex, LendRight Mortgage. We're all done. Jake and Ben are coming up next.